0: Thank hey, you, gentlemen. First Timothy chapter number three this evening. First Timothy chapter number three. And we've been in the book of First Timothy for some time uh, as we have been uh, looking at this series, uh, A Charge to Keep. And of course, in the beginning of the book of First Timothy, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. And he writes to Timothy and uh, reminds him that he has a charge, the faith has been committed to him, and he charges Timothy to keep the faith. Uh, now, it is important for us to be reminded tonight, just as Paul received the faith from the Lord Jesus Christ, he then committed it to Timothy. He expected Timothy to keep it. In 2 Timothy, his second letter to Timothy in chapter 2, verse 2, he reminds him of a faithful man passing it on to a faithful man. It was responsible for Timothy to keep it so he could turn around and, and teach it to someone else, pass it to someone else. You and I have the faith. It's not a different faith. Uh, there is one Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is one faith. The book of Jude says the faith once delivered. doesn't matter how many different religions there are out there or however many different opinions there are about the word of God. The faith has been delivered one time. And you and I have the faith in this book, and so uh, we, sh- we have it committed to us. We have a charge just like Timothy had a charge and has been committed to us. And so we're to keep it, and then we are to pass it on to those that would come behind us. And so we've looked at that aspect uh, for many different ways. We have uh, jumped around in the book of 1 Timothy some, and uh, we've been reminded that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. And that uh, chapter number four, we've been reminded of different aspects of there's a seducing spirit. And that's different than the Holy Spirit. And uh, we, uh, as a church, have a responsibility. So tonight, we're going to look at 1 Timothy 3. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, qualifications of a pastor tonight. And, and then we're going to do that. It's probably going to take at least two um, Sunday or two Wednesdays. And then we're going to talk about after that, uh, we're going to have a study on how to treat the pastor. Uh, then we're going to talk about, somewhere along in there, uh, the deacons. Not what the Bible says, we're just going to talk about them. I not oh, that be fun. Then uh, no, we're going to talk about the uh, scriptural qualifications of a deacon. And then we're going to re- dive in as well to how we treat one and where to treat one another inside the church. You say, how does that pertain to uh, keeping the faith? Well, it, it's, God has a plan and an order for everything. That's why every child of God is to be part of a local church. I believe that's what the Bible says. Say, well, can I be saved if I'm not? Yeah, but you need to be part of a local church. Uh, It's gonna help you grow. It's gonna help you in your relationship, but it's gonna help you propagate the gospel, uh, be a part of uh, spreading the gospel and and advancing the cause of Christ. Uh, But also we should treat one another well. Um, There's a great responsibility that comes with handling the word of God. We should treasure the scripture. We should we should treasure the word of God. We've talked about that recently. How uh, we should not just set it aside. At Sunday school we talked about. It. We don't just set it aside after Sunday and forget us there to the following Sunday. It's a treasure uh, for us to keep. And so uh, it's important uh, that we do things God's way. When it comes to matter of scripture, we know this. But it's good for us all. Of it's good for me to say it, and it's good for you to hear it. It's good for all of us to be reminded. When it comes to what God says, our opinion does not matter. Uh, our response should be yes, Lord. Uh, we shouldn't wait for Him to give us an explanation. Although it's amazing, the more we study this book, the more we understand it. Uh, the more we get the explanation from the Spirit of God. Uh, but we're going to look this evening, First Timothy chapter number three. I'll encourage you. I've got twenty points, but I did not bring all of my notes. I Only brought thirteen points tonight. Uh, we won't get through all of these this evening. I don't, I don't think we'll get through all of these this evening, so I'm, I'm planning on at least splitting it up into two, maybe even three uh, weeks for this, but, um, and I'll get it in the introduction. I'll, I'll, I'll give more of why we need to, to know these things. Uh, verse number one of 1 Timothy 3, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest, being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, uh, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. I'll stop reading there, uh, but I did want to include the deacons there for a moment. But uh, uh, the pastoral qualifications, let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that uh, you'll just uh, use the Word of God to help us. And uh, Father, I pray that we'll give attention to the Word of God. And uh, while... Uh, there is uh, th- one pastor of this church, and many uh, who uh, feel that they are called to uh, perhaps fulfill that obligation one day, and may we still give it the attention that it deserves, and I ask your hand of blessing for us in Jesus' name, we pray, amen. For several years now, uh, not all in succession as far as weeks go, but we've looked at a lot of study when it comes to the Apostle Paul, his ministry. Uh, whether it be the armor of God, ministry companions, uh, the uh, last days theology, we've looked at that as Paul uh, warned us and, and pointed out what the, last, the, the, the signs of the last days in 2 Timothy 3, and then also in 1 Timothy now. And so we've got, an, a, got a, a little bit of a glimpse of this man Timothy. Um, and there's just a few things that I want to remind us of when it comes to Timothy. Timothy was saved. Timothy was born again. Paul was instrumental in, in his salvation. Uh, Paul considered him the son in the faith. Paul revert, uh, refers very uh, briefly about uh, Timothy and his, and his mother and his grandmother. Uh, I'll also, uh, an observation also says Timothy had a call. He had a call by God to preach the gospel, he had a call by God uh, to ministry. But Timothy also had a desire. And that's where we see in verse number one, uh, man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Um, God does not call everyone, God will save anyone who wants to be saved. Uh, But God does not call everyone to be a pastor. Um, But those that he does and desire, it's a good thing to desire. Uh, He had a desire to do what the Lord wanted him to do. Let me just say to all of us, each and every one of us ought to desire to do what it is that God has for us to do. Uh, now, there's one pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, and if you if you don't know who that is, I'll give you one guess. Um, but I'm saying that to say that's not what God has for everybody. That does not mean what God has for you is not important. Um, God puts a a, uh, a lot of expectations. He puts a... Um, a lot of uh, the office of pastor is a very high office. It's the highest office. But that does not mean what God has called you to do is not important. It is important. You know, uh, you know. I, I could pastor, but there's nobody to pastor. What would it be for me to pastor? Um, you know, it's it, we're all part of God's church. So this was Timothy. Uh, what he Paul writes to Timothy to let him know what God expects of his under shepherd. What God expects of his pastor, you've got to be reminded that Christ had been crucified, he had risen again, uh, that he had commissioned those apostles to go to the world and, and tell of a resurrected Savior. Of course, Paul was converted on the road to Damascus. We know what Paul was before he was saved. Now, Paul is spending his life going around the the known world at that time to preach the gospel along the way. Timothy is reached. He invested in Timothy. Uh, Timothy is going to play a critical role in the advancement of the church as it begins to grow and multiply during this time. So as the church is multiplying, God had an intent for what a pastor... Now, don't be confused by that word bishop. That does not mean there's a group of people who get together and decide what goes on in God's church. God has decided what goes on in the local church. And uh, so that, that don't misunderstand. That word just simply means overseer. It's the pastor. Um, so uh, he gives these expectations, and I'm going to jump right into them tonight in just a moment. But the reason he gives these expectations is, just doesn't it make sense? If a man is going to pastor, he needs to know what's expected of him. And uh, he needs to know what's expected of him. And it's important for the people to know what is expected of the pastor. I am constantly amazed in this day we live in. There are pastors who have no idea what God expects of the pastor, but yet there are people who don't have, they they think God has the pastor there for something else. It's important for all of us to know the qualifications of the pastor, and so uh, it's important for him to know, and, there, and I know we have, we train, we have men who have gone out of our ministry in our pastoring, I know we have others who feel the call of God on our life to do that, uh, there is a standard, uh, and and this is going to help us too, because we live in a day where there's a lot of people who, who they're more concerned with about just being a hip dude than it is to, to, to meet the qualifications that God has set. Um, there's more to just having a, a bar stool that you sit on on Sunday morning. Uh, there's, more, there's more to that. There's more to it being able to prove that you can grow you know, a Duck Dynasty beer. There's more to it than that. Um, you, 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 so we must keep the Word of God as a premium. What does God say? Let's get into it. A bishop then must be blameless. Number one, blameless. That word blameless means without fault, innocent, not guilty. Well, as soon as you heard the definition without fault, you knew that I fit the qualifications of a, a pastor. I mean, just without fault. Um, it does not mean infallible or perfect. Uh, you, you take the, the, the Catholic religion. There is no Holy Father. Um, the Pope is not infallible. Um if you, if you witness to a Catholic and you're dealing with a Catholic, one obstacle is they put, the typical Catholic puts the word, the opinion of the Pope above the Bible. Puts the opinion of the church above the Bible. And uh, it does not mean infallible or perfect. What it means is that just like you must keep your sins confessed, the pastor must keep his sins confessed. A open relationship with God. It begins with his character. He should live in a way where accusations, moral and doctrinal, don't stick due to his life and character. We live in a day, we're going to talk more about this in the way that we should treat the pastor, um, when anybody can get on the internet and say anything about anybody. And um, it's, it's amazing what you have to with all the technology today of what you have, how you have to protect yourself as a church. Um, somebody can be upset because you preach there's, one he- there's a heaven and a hell and, and there's only one way to get there and then they can go make all kinds of accusations on, on, on the internet. Um, but a pastor must first have the character that no matter what is assigned or whatever is said, it does not stick. Much is said about moral issues and they're certainly important. But doctrinal are important as well. Um, Just as someone can make an accusation against the pastor or anybody, uh, as far as a moral matter is concerned, it can be made uh, doctrinally as well. I can't tell you how many times I've been called a legalist because I believe in separation. Uh, But if you hear me preach, you know that don't stick. Uh, You know that's not the way it is. That's what blameless means. Uh, Number two, the husband of one wife. Now through the years I have heard many this isn't going to be an exciting bombastic Bible study but it's important for us to know what the Bible says. Uh, there's, I've heard many interpretations uh, through the years but when you put in context of all the Bible and different scriptures, and these are the conclusions I've come to. What it means is what Paul is writing for a pastor uh, should be the husband of one wife, he should not be divorced. That does not mean a, a divorce person has no place to serve the Lord. It just means, as far as a pastor goes, husband of one wife. I do think it also means one wife at a time. Uh, I, you know, that's, the, well, that's what I think it means, means, one wife at a time. Well, that, I think that's a given. Um, but it doesn't just mean, I don't think it also would apply to just, stay, just married one time because there's a situation of, of the wife passes away and uh, the pastor would remarry and then that's still the husband of one wife. But I believe what it's talking about, because there's, there's, there's example, um, and uh, I believe that's what it's speaking of, uh, the husband of one wife. Number, it's pretty self-explanatory. Number three, vigilant. Vigilant. We see it there in verse number two. A pastor must be watch, vigilant means watchful, circumspect, attentive to discover and avoid danger. Um, A pastor is naturally, why is a pastor always suspicious? Because God said you're supposed to be. He's supposed to be vigilant. I'm supposed to be vigilant first over my own life. I'm supposed to watch and be circumspect, be aware of stumbling blocks in my life. Of my walk with God. Of temptation. I still believe the man who stands in the pulpit should be a holy man. Not meaning he's infallible, but means uh, he he has a walk, an obvious walk with the Lord. I believe uh, it's my, the pastor has to watch over his life first. He should protect himself. Um, but it also means, I believe, that he is vigilant when it comes to the church that God has given him the care of. Um I, my responsibility is to watch out for the Emmanuel Baptist Church. A lot of the preaching, the preaching I did this past Sunday night was to, to be vigilant. We want to be vigilant uh, over uh, what may hurt someone. Um, and so it is watchful, circumspect, attentive to discover and avoid danger. The pastor is to be vigilant for, the, for young men, some who may be watching are listening on radio tonight, or, or those who are uh, will watch this later because they're working this evening, or whatever they feel that the Lord wants them to uh, fulfill this uh, uh, office one day. They need to understand they've got to be vigilant. They've got to be watching. That's why we have to take care of. of, of and, and by the way, so far these aren't bad things for anybody. It's good for everybody to be vigilant. Um, and can, is a if a pastor won't preach against things that will hurt his people, is he really being vigilant? If he's not paying attention to what's going on in this world, that might hurt. Is he really being vigilant? Um, number four, sober. Now, that is speaking of serious minded. Serious minded. It's, it's amazing what you see because social media just in the internet just kind of puts it on display for everyone. Sometimes I look at some of the things that some pastors post, and I'm just like, "This is my, it's like, I feel sorry for the people. And I don't say that in a judgmental way, although it may sound that way, because the man of God is supposed to be serious-minded. He's supposed to be sober. Doesn't mean he can't ever tell a joke. Um, I mean, I'm hilarious. Don't, don't, I mean, don't y'all know that? Um, <laughs> It's funny, when, when, when I, whenever I do say something and, and everybody else laughs, I know there's at least two people that aren't laughing. That's my two daughters, but uh, I don't know why they laugh at you, Dad. You're not funny. I'm hilarious, aren't I? But anyway, uh, he should be serious-minded. The souls of men are at stake. There's nothing more serious than that. There's a destruction of lives. There's nothing more serious than that. Be serious about the work of God. That is the responsibility of a bishop, of a pastor, of an overseer, of that local congregation that has been saved, called out of this world. Should be sober-minded, serious-minded does not mean it should be a certain kind of a personality. God uses every kind of personality. Some are naturally more serious-minded. Some are naturally more jovial. But when it comes to the things of God and lives at stake, souls at stake, the pastor is supposed to be serious-minded. I take church seriously. I take when I stand up behind this pulpit, I take it seriously. I take when we, when we try to help people, I take it, I take it seriously. Because it is a there's nothing more serious than an eternal soul. So you must be serious-minded about it. Uh, number five. Of good behavior. Um, some of you may be wondering how this ever happened, but it's talking about, I believe it's talking about having manners, courteous. Uh, I, I'll just say it like this. It's not as um, maybe politically correct or doesn't sound as alliterated, but he shouldn't be a jerk. He preaches the Bible. He's a bit of a jerk, but, you know, at least he gives us the truth. Um, you know, and this is good for Christians to hear. We, Christians should have manners. Christians should be courteous. Um, it's it's Sometimes it's difficult because people aren't always nice to you. I want to. I want. I to speak to you about what you. And this doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's, it's quite enter, uh, entertaining. Is the word I guess. I, I, I need to talk, speak to you about what you, you uh, preached, or I, I need to. I need to talk to somebody from that church. I'm like, you know, it, it's always a. Are, are you, are you the pastor? I'm like, depends. <laughs> depends, um, but of good behavior number six g- given to hospitality Now I believe and, and one reason why I want to go over this tonight and this is this is I, I, I'm not going to be very animated tonight there's not a whole lot of room for me to preach some of these points tonight which we, which typically tends up happening on Wednesday night but it is important because, As I have taught you about the emerging church and the contemporary church, one of the things they have done is they've tore down the office of the pastor. They they cast down the word of God and they tear down the office of the pastor and he should be a dude. He should be a buddy. He should be somebody to hang out with. He should be... So there's a lot of misconceptions about what a pastor should be. Well, pastor shouldn't separate himself from the people. Well, it depends on what you talk about that because there's qualifications that God has set. There's things that he has said. And one of the ones that I think is misunderstood, and even, even, even good men, I think, have, have taken it and, and, and they've misunderstood it. And if they want to pastor this way, I've got no problem with it. But there's a danger in, in, in trying to identify and say people should be doing it this way because we believe the Bible says that when there's something that I don't believe is there. And one of these is, is given to hospitality. Now, we could piggyback on the fact that the pastor shouldn't be a jerk, and by the way, n- neither should anybody in the congregation. Um, but it does say he should be given to hospitality. That does not mean that I am just, the pastor is just at the beckoning call of everybody. At every time. Well, it doesn't matter if you haven't slept in four days, pastor. You're supposed to be given to hospitality. It doesn't matter if you're with your family. Now, this is an extreme illustration, but there's some that misinterpret this. And I believe they it hurt themselves because truth of the matter is, let's be reminded, I'm flesh and blood like your flesh and blood. I'm a man like, like, well, not all of you are a man, but you know what I mean. I'm a man like you are. I'm, I'm, I, have, I have weaknesses. You, you need to have a confidence in your pastor that he spends time with God, he preaches the word of God, he's God's man. I need to be very careful that our, our, our love for one another, our relationship with one another, it doesn't get in the way of me being your pastor. Is this making sense? So I believe I'm a very hospitable person. I get her early, I make my rounds, I try and talk to just about everybody that I can get to, uh, I try and greet everybody that doesn't run from me out the side doors, I try I to try talk to everybody, um, I try during the week, I try and uh, I'm always communicating with as many people as I possibly can, uh, I love my church people, I, I want to be involved in, in, in their lives, but, but let me give you an actual definition. And I say this because there's a lot, and, and this is part of being vigilant. And this is part of why I, I preached what I did Sunday night. And I'm going to preach the next few Sunday nights on some disturbing trends that I see. Because with technology today, some, everybody's opinion gets everywhere. And, and there's, even among independent Baptists, there's a lot who are pushing this. And they're condemning men in a public manner who don't fall to, to, to this standard. And they should make themselves, the most important thing I do for you is study the Bible. The most important thing I do for you is pray. Now, if, if you have a, a loved one pass away, I'm going to be there. Uh, I would say, you know, right after the babies are born, I want to come by the hospital. They, they won't let me come by anymore because of all the new restrictions. Try coming, climbing a couple windows, that didn't work out too well. But, I, you know, I want to be there for you. I'm going to be a present pastor in your life, but I have got to prepare me, and I'm going to be hospitable. And I'm laying all that groundwork to actually give you what I believe it means. It means the act or practice of receiving and entertaining strangers or guests without reward or with kind or generous liberality. It actually in the strictest definition of the word hospitality it has nothing to do with the congregation I'm never talking to y'all again I don't have to that's not what it means either it means the pastor and in this church is very good at this you will not only do you allow me to have the time that I need with my family that I need to do the things that a pastor has to do but I'm able to minister to, to help a stranger or somebody who is not part or guest who are not necessarily part of our congregation. Part of, you know, I'm your pastor. Surprise, I'm your pastor. But I don't just look at it as I pastor the Emmanuel Baptist Church, and this is what I mean by that. I look at it as I pastor Jacksonville, Florida. And I encounter people all the time that I have prayer with, that I write down their number and I call them. I, I talk to people, you, you, because that's what a pastor is supposed to do. I want to reach people and bring them into the congregation. But I don't ever want to have the mindset, and, and by the way, y'all are a lot to keep up with, just for the record. It's, 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 you, you, that's why when you get away, when you take the Holy Spirit of it, out of it, that's why you got to have a pastor for every single thing that's done in the church. We have to have a, a platform pastor. We have to have a, a scheduling pastor. We have to have a, a Wednesday night pastor and we have to have a, uh, you know, you have to have the spirit of God because it's, there's one man cannot do it. We have a good-sized congregation, but part of the responsibility of a pastor, and I want to meet all of your needs, I want to pray for you, I have my prayer list, I pray for you. If you need something, most of you, you can get a hold of me in a very quick manner. If you need to get a hold of me, I want to be available to you, but I've also got to be willing to entertain strangers to help people who are not, because God's going to send them my way, because He wants them cared for. Um, I don't ever want to get the attitude. is like, well, they ain't my church member. Uh, they, they ain't. Well, they ain't tithing in my church. Uh, that's what it means. Given to, and I took it. And and, I, and if you if if that doesn't mean anything to you, but just yeah, Pastor, we get it. There, there's a reason why I laid all that that groundwork. So it means the act or practice of receiving and entertaining strangers or guests without reward, or or with kind or generous. Liberality. Number seven, apt to teach, capable of communicating truth to his fellow man. That's one of the qualifications. Of course, we know that God uses preaching. Preaching is not outdated because the Bible is not outdated. Uh, preaching is still God's method of delivering truth. Uh, preaching is supposed to be pointed to bring you to a point of decision. You either accept the truth or you reject the truth. Teaching is the imparting of knowledge. That's the difference. I mean, Sunday night the last message I preached, and then Sunday morning I preached to bring to a point of decision. Tonight is more of teaching. I am imparting knowledge. But part of pastoring and young men who feel that that's what God wants for you you must be capable of communicating truth to his fellow man. Now I'm going to give you something very obvious. You have to increase in knowledge to do that. You have to increase in knowledge. Um, some, some of you make it very hard on your pastor. You want me to tell you how? Because you know the Bible. This church knows the Bible. And so how am I to impart knowledge if I'm not ever learning? Uh, I'm not talking about things that aren't in the Bible. I'm talking about the word of God in truth. How do you increase the in knowledge? Study. I was talking to some of the teenagers over here about school today, and there's a couple of them that I won't mention any names, but you can probably guess who they are. They they've already received a detention. They, they're living up to the standard. But I will say, in their defense, it wasn't science. Now you know which one, you knew who it was anyway. And you know, science really doesn't count, but you know. Um, they Students don't like to, what's your least favorite part of school? Studying. But that's how you learn. You have to study. Now I know that pastors only work one day a week. And that's Sunday. And nowadays you have to cut off at noon, you can't even come back basically because it's just it's just taxing. But that you must be they must be willing to study. I, I don't I don't say this for any reason, but just to remind you, I work very hard that when you do drag yourself in on a Wednesday night, come right from work, for you to have something that God has given me to teach you, to help you from study. And I, I, I hope that you know that your pastor studies. And I often make the joke, well, it's almost church time, i got to go hop on Google, see if I can find me a Bible study. We laugh, but you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how many they get their messages in the mail through a subscription, through a membership. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not against using that for things for study, but it ought to be where we study for the people. And so they must be apt to teach. It's more than just that I want us to get away from I, don't, I don't get away. I just I want us to be a balance. As we train preachers and those that God calls out to be missionaries, to uh, pastor, I want them to understand, yes, there are times, and and I love to preach. Don't get me wrong, I love to preach the Word of God. I love to get up and just preach, but we have to be willing to study to impart that truth. I um, probably, two to three times a week, I'll sit down with a church member for coffee, breakfast, lunch, something of that, and I use that time to fellowship, but I use that time to impart truth, to try and teach. It's a, it's, a, it's a lifestyle. Now, let me just say, you know, I've been buying the lunches too, too much lately, but anyway, uh, no. Um, imparting that truth. And this is good for all of us. I know we're talking about the qualifications of a pastor, but I always look for an opportunity. And we talked about this last Wednesday night to impart a truth to a part of truth, to one parents to your children, grandparents to your grandchildren, to a, a new Christian. Uh, but they uh, are apt to teach, and so study goes into that. Number eight, not giving the wine. There, there's a movement amongst some of these churches today, and they must have this cut out of their Bibles. And the reason why, and, and, and I still believe that Christians should not drink alcohol. Should not partake in alcohol, and and if you if you want to come try and find loopholes of why a Christian you believe that the Bible, I don't have time for that. This is what I believe. Um, I don't think he should he, he should. You know, if a if a, if a lost man to say I'm not drinking alcohol because I can see what it does to people. Don't you think saved people ought to have a little bit of that sense? But it says, not given the wine. I don't, but I don't believe Christians ought to drink alcohol. I don't believe a pastor should drink alcohol. Um, not one bit. You cannot partake of wine, alcohol. Well, this just, you can't partake of alcohol and it not affect you. It affects you. Um, it is important... How are we going to be filled with the Spirit if we're filled with something else? You cannot be. We are to bring into captivity every thought. Have you tried that lately? It takes the Spirit of God. We are to mortify our members, meaning we are in complete control of ourselves. You don't have to be very intelligent or very old to know that when you touch the devil's drink, and it's still what it is, you're going to lose control. Right. Well, I can control it. Why is it when carnal Christians, they want to use this, they don't talk about well any, any, others, any other sin. Well, I can control that. It's just this one. There's a lot of people who have said that, but I think the Bible is very clear. It does not matter whether you can control it or not. I say that to say because there's a lot of pastors today, and it still has Baptists on their church sign, and the reason why they've softened on it is because they're drinking it. And the Bible is very clear: you can't be filled with the Spirit if you're filled with that. And so if we're not we can't be filled with the Spirit. So... It, we not given to wine. There's, there's the, the effects of alcohol. It gets in the way of the, the duty of a pastor. But it, I believe it also represents vices in general that we ought to stay, Christians ought to stay away from, but certainly the pastor ought to set the example. That does not mean, well, well I, I can't believe, you know, you got a new Christian. And I, I bet I could still, they were saved 48 hours ago. If they hang around long enough, the Spirit of God's going to tell them what they should and shouldn't be doing, and they're probably going to hear something preached along the line and say, you know what, I guess that applies to that. The problem is when we get carnal and we let things get in the way of us serving God. You can, no, no Christian can articulate a good justification, no matter how much or how little. You can't do it. And certainly, the pastor, the man of God, ought to set the example, not just alcohol and wine, and, and don't come in, that's grape juice. We'll talk about that later at another time if you want to. I don't, I don't, think, God's, I don't think God's got an agenda against Welch's. I, I mean, I just, I just don't. It's, it's really... It's, Forgive me for saying this, but it really is good that God didn't just just put, you can't be stupid on this list, because there's, there anyway. <laughs> Number nine, no striker. Very simply, this means not quarrelsome. Not quarrelsome. It's hard to be courteous. It's hard to be hospitable if you're going to be quarrelsome by nature and this is and i've really i've tried to through the last many months really remind us that while there's far there's right wing and there's left wing, wing there's conservative and there's liberal and there's republican and there's democrat and there's there there's capitalist and there's communist there's there's patriotic and country hater while there's honest and cheaters as a Christian, we're supposed to love. That doesn't mean we don't love our country. It doesn't mean we don't stand for right. It doesn't mean we just roll over every time. But we should not be quarrelsome. You know, I, I don't have time to argue this point or that point because I want to put myself, and this is why polit- politically, I don't think you have to guess who I vote for but I'm not turning the Emmanuel Baptist Church into a political rally. Because how can I be hospitable to a stranger who's never cracked open a Bible, who needs a gospel witness, if they have their political beliefs that have been ingrained in them, and the church is known for more than registering voters than it is for sending out soul winners. We shouldn't be quarrelsome, and I'm sorry, I am not a good enough Christian to talk politics with those who think it's okay to murder babies and not quarrel. You may be, I'm not. So therefore, there's conversations sometimes that I have to avoid. There's things that I have to stay away from. I promise you, I watch l- less Fox News than you do, and that's not because I've already thrown something through my TV. but. Uh, no, why? Because I don't want to have a quarrelsome spirit. And I know me enough to know what I believe. I believe very passionately. I, I have great conviction on. So we all have to be careful when it comes to this, but it should not, there's a lot, and I don't, I don't ever want to be this, this, kind of, this, this kind of man or this kind of pastor, and it's a requirement, and, and I should know it, and I like, I like having this uh, study so that you know that I know what's expected, and I know that you know that I know what's expected, and we all know what the church ought to be. We're going to get to the church member on one of these Wednesday nights, so you enjoy this now. But I don't, I don't want to be quarrelsome. I want, I want to have the kind of spirit and testimony that I can help somebody. Number 10, not greedy of filthy lucre. This very simply means not a sellout. He doesn't trade his stand for money. He doesn't trade his beliefs for a full calendar. He doesn't trade his influence so that he can make more money. Uh, He should not be greedy of filthy lucre. Now, you have been taught, and you're a good example... Of how a church is supposed to take care of their pastor. And we'll go over that again because it's it's important for the church to know what they're supposed to do. And you are a great example of that. But if a man is called somewhere, he ought to be there. And he shouldn't be looking. Well, this church is bigger and it's gonna pay me more money. I believe that's greedy, a filthy lucre. If God moves you, God moves you. It's amazing. It's, when God is always when somebody, I feel like God's moving me, it's always where it's bigger and better. I'm not saying God's not in that. You would just think every once in a while he would move someone to somewhere so they could build something. That's just an observation of mine. But not greedy of filthy lucre. He shouldn't be willing to trade his principles. I'm not, and I'll say as I've said it before, and you know this about me, it's good for you to know that your pastor will not trade what he believes for anything. And I believe I can say that, say that because it has been proven. I don't say it with any pride, but it's important for us to know that we stand where the Bible stands and we ought to stand there and we ought to be very careful of being greedy of filthy lucre. I'll stop there because number 11 is patient and I just can't wait that long. So um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to that one. Uh, next week. And so uh, the next few weeks is going to be more of a list and just commentary on those lists, but it's important for us to be reminded. I want, uh, we, we need to know what God expects of His church. Uh, he expects things of His church. We're, we're going to talk about h- how to treat the pastor in, in, in a couple of weeks. Talk about the deacons and their responsibilities. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the church itself and those inside the church, how we respond to one another. Uh, because we have the faith so that we can reach people. We have the the support we hold to the faith so that we can minister to people. And uh, we want to be a church. I've, I've often said this, and I'll continue to say it. I don't mind people knowing that we take a strong stand. I don't mind that at all. But I also want them to know that there's a pastor and a people that will love them and will care for them. First of all, care enough to tell them the truth. But we will help them in any way we can. So there's a balance there. And a lot of this gets gets into that of what to expect. And so uh, we'll pick this up again uh, next Wednesday. And-